welcome to another episode of the Miles Offside Podcast, where we talk a little bit of football and a whole lot of nothing. My name is Oscar Puente, also known as Footy From Afar, and with me as always is my co-host, Chuck Bailey. Hi, Oscar. Hi, Chuck. Uh, how are you doing this week? Yeah, not too bad, in the weird void of no football. Yeah, we are in that weird, awful time of year where you are like... Oh, I guess I could watch this one weird preseason friendly just to get my fix of literally anything. Yeah, I guess I could watch Crystal Palace play Stevenage, or I can see Man United not sell out stadiums in America. Yeah, that was pretty empty. They usually do pretty well, too. Like, the American preseason tournament sells a ton of tickets, but no one was at that one for whatever reason. Yeah, I'm not too sure. Just wonder if their their popularity is dwindling. Yeah, hopefully. Fuck Man United. Um, <laughs> uh, as you may or may not be able to tell, uh, our super producer and lovely friend Ian Stimson is not with us this week. He's on holiday with his family. Uh, yeah. Hopefully having a better time than the two of us are talking to each other about football. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we love you, Stim. We miss you. And he will be back with us next week. Yeah. And he had to suffer for it because his flight for the first holiday was cancelled when he was on the plane. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He got completely fucked over. So <laughs> this is a makeup of that previous attempt at a vacation. Yeah, exactly. Um, but so we should be keeping it relatively short and sweet this week. Try to keep it relatively tidy so that Ian doesn't have that much work to do when he gets back. And he will be back with us next week. I mean, we could just not. Like, he's not here. Just release a five-hour episode. <laughs> we could just dump <laughs> just six hours of recording on him. Just a lot of, uh, hold on, I'm just going to Google that real quick. Um, da, 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 da. Yeah. And, cool, 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 cool. Um, hmm, yeah. yeah, bulk it out. No doubt, no doubt. Cool, cool, cool. Then we could just put a film on, um, both <laughs> yeah, watch a film, then we'll talk about that film afterwards. Running commentary yeah. on Phantom Menacer. <laughs> um, so this week we will be going through a bit of a Premier League preview. Uh, specifically focusing on the top six teams from last season, excluding Chelsea. We're going to save my thoughts on Chelsea for next week, when Chuck is also going to go in-depth about his thoughts on Palace's upcoming season. Yeah. Uh, but we'll run through five of the top six teams, do a bit of a preview, and answer listener questions, and then get out of here. So it should be, hopefully, a pretty short and sweet episode. So, Chuck, I guess that we can start off with the team that came in sixth last season, which is the most embarrassing team from London. I think we can both agree. Arsenal Football Club, they finished last year with, uh, let me see, 63 points and a goal difference of 23. Yeah, they meant, I thought they were meant to finish in fourth. I thought that was kind of in the in the contracts that they signed with like the English FA, that every season Arsenal finished fourth and win the FA Cup. I think that was one last middle finger on the way out the door from Arsenal. <laughs> Uh, so the big thing with Arsenal, as we just made reference to, is that Wenger is finally out. Yeah. Although I do hope that we still see Wenger out signs everywhere because they're... That's one of my favorite Twitter accounts is just Wenger out signs because people hold them up at every kind of event. Oh, everything. There were there were people sending it at WrestleMania, weren't there? And yep. Just, and there like... were people at like um, the March for Science at Washington, <laughs> D.C. that said Wenger out. Like, is it... So I hope that tradition continues. Um but they did bring in a new coach. His name is Unai Emery. Um, he made his name in Spain for the most part, famously managing Real, Real Sociedad for a couple of years. And so I think with that, we sh- can probably expect to see a change in style and a change in system. How much do you know about Unai Emery, Chuck? Um, only really a little bit about his time at PSG. Um now, I don't know how much information you can infer from that in terms of his play style because, you know, his team there, especially the front three, kind of picked itself with um, Neymar and Bappe and Cavani. Um, so I think it's very interesting. That's It's strange that this season, even though like I had no ill will against Arsene Wenger and I thought he was a fantastic custodian of that team, perhaps judging by what you said earlier about the the Wenger out signs everywhere, probably stayed too long and kind of marred his legacy. Um, But I'm actually quite interested now to see what happens with Arsenal as a kind of, not necessarily neutral, of course, but just just as an outside observer uh, of the club 
to see actually what happens because you know there's there's fans that for their entire lifetime um that have never seen Arsenal as anything other than an Arsene Wenger club and playing in a certain way and finishing fourth every year um <laughs> so so I'm quite excited to see how how everybody fits into that team and and what changes kind of get made yeah I I certainly have never known Arsenal other than in their uh, Arsene Wenger years, so it's going to be pretty interesting for me to see what they do. Um, before PSG, when I think he had to do more tactical work to kind of make something out, um, Unai Emery was known for having a 4-2-3-1 slash 4-3-3 hybrid system, so having a really strong central midfield and then three fast attackers, um, almost like a Liverpool light setup. Uh, a lot of pressing, a lot of looking to hit teams in transition and having a lot of um, structures in place so that when they get the ball, as soon as they get the ball back in the press, they can hit quickly um, with interchange between the three central mids a lot. So I could see them probably running out a 4-3-3. Their big transfer so far this summer is uh, this player, this Uruguayan player called Lucas Torreira. Yeah. Um which he, I'm not sure where he was coming from. Uh, Sam, Sampdoria. He signed, Sampdoria. signed from Sampdoria, yeah, but June. When he... from re- yeah, just from reading up about him a little bit, he seems to be a defensive mid. So, you know, for the first time in, I don't know, 20 years, they're actually willing to go out and spend money on a defensive midfielder, which is kind of nice. Yeah. As, like, for Arsenal fans, I would imagine. Um, and to me, indicates that he's going to try to have that same sort of 4-3-3 setup with a strong two-way midfielders, box-to-box type of situation. Yeah, I mean, it, from coming in, you know, it, it seems like he's happy with his attack because everything he's bought so far has been um, players at the back. So he bought Licksteiner in on a free, um, who you'd imagine is probably more of like a Europa League player, um, yep. kind of swapping with Bayer in and just to push him a bit. Um, they signed Burnt Leno, the goalkeeper, as competition for Czech. Um, Check might be on his way out the door, depending on what happens with the Chelsea goalkeeper situation. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, that's, God knows what's going on with that. Um, and then, yeah, Socrates um, has been brought in from Dortmund. And the Greek guy, who, good luck pronouncing his name. That Oh, that, is that Socrates? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I was looking at his last name. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no one bothers with his last name. Papas. Yeah, that's Papas, like... Uh, yeah, fuck it. I'm good with names, but that's just... <laughs> That's just when, a bridge uh, too far remi- for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That reminds me of when Chelsea signed Aspilicueta, and everyone was like, Aspilicueta, fuck the it, your name's Dave. We're just going to call you Dave. <laughs> Which is what everyone in the squad calls him. He's like genuinely just known as Dave. <laughs> That's um, brilliant. Which I think is hilarious. There was a similar story to that a few years ago when, um, oh, I can't remember the year exactly, but when Chelsea signed John Terry and... Um, and Mikhail Forsell as well. And so um, one of the uh, interviewers goes up and he and he, he goes up to the players like when they get announced for signing, he goes, um, I'm really sorry, but I just want to double check. Um, how do you pronounce your name? Just turns around and goes, uh, John Terry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that story. That's really good. I never heard that before. Yeah, that was very good. Oh, that's um, great. But, but yeah, I can see... I can see Socrates coming in as a, a central defender, um, probably going to be starting. You'd like to think someone of his kind of calibre and um, uh, previous history. The rest of the team, you know, Torreira, I'm guessing, as that defensive midfielder could stay there. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we started to see a bit more from Granite Xhaka this year. Um, really? Yeah, I, I don't know why. I just get this feeling that potentially with Torreira, they, they'll push Xhaka up a little bit more. Um, I mean, you've got Mikatarian, who um, his connection with Aubameyang was obvious um, towards yeah, the tail I'm end sure of last that's season. That's the thing that I'm eyeing for them for the most for this year. Yeah, is if that can continue, they'll do really well. Yeah, to relive the Dortmund days. I mean, now you've got three players there from from Dortmund, um, so it's kind of running a bit of a spine there, and uh, be interesting then also to see what happens with Lacazette because you never know. Lacazette and Aubameyang could end up playing two at the front. I like the fact that it's so much of an unknown. I like the fact I, that you can kind of justify or, or try and figure out many different things from, from the Arsenal squad. And it's good, you know, in the kind of root for chaos thing we were talking about in the, 
in the World Cup. Like it would be nice to see a big shake up in the league and and something happen. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. Um, I don't know that we'll see them play two at the front just because that manager has never done that before. Um, he's always played with one striker and two wingers, uh, which is exactly what he did at PSG and what he did in La Liga. Mm-hmm. So I'd imagine Aubameyang will probably be playing over Lacazette, uh, especially given that he likes a pressing and counterattacking style because yeah. Aubameyang is a lot faster. But yeah, Ed, I think this could go a lot of different ways. Um, I think we'll save our specific predictions for next week when we do like a bit of a competition between everybody as far as like who's going to finish in sixth who's going to finish in first who's going to get relegated and so forth but with a transition year and a new coach coming in and then trying to buy new players I don't really see Arsenal making any kind of title noise Um, they could they'll probably push for a fourth place spot but I wouldn't be surprised if they finished sixth again no not not really but yeah, it depends on what, whether they concentrate on Europa League as well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because that, that could be their way into the Champions League if they don't necessarily get yeah. fourth place. Um, so I guess they'll have to make that decision later on, but certainly for the first half of the year when the Europa League is much, much easier and they're almost guaranteed to go through, barring any insane collapses, I think they'll probably be pushing for fourth place. I think they'll do a pretty good job of being in that fight, whereas yeah. last year they finished... Seven points behind Chelsea and 12 points behind Liverpool. So they weren't even remotely close to getting a top four spot. No. Um, I think this year it'll be closer than that. No, and they did for a while. They they were very close to Burnley, who were pushing up on them. Now they finished like nine points above them comfortably. But that was was still a big scare for a while. But I think with with the signings that Emery has made, you know, last year they, they finished in sixth and they kept 13 clean sheets. Um, I'd expect I'd expect that to go up a bit. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they were hitting sort of maybe 17, 18 or so clean sheets um, for yeah. the season. And goals per game, they were hitting in 1.95. So it's not too bad, like two goals per game, conceding 1.34 per game as well. So I think that they'll improve Arsenal, but I, I think you're right. I think it's to expect too much from them would be a bit, it'd be a bit folly. But it's it's exciting. Like I I think Arsenal fans in general. I don't. I try not to watch Arsenal fan TV anymore because it's a bit depressing. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think you know they have something. They have a, a lot of hope, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would I would be hopeful if I was an Arsenal fan, just because I think it would, like Wenger should have quit ten years ago. Honestly, like people joke and stuff, but the Wenger out stuff started a very long time ago. It's it's been well in the writing's been on the wall on that for a long time and so for him to finally be gone as much as he was you know a legend of a manager and he brought them all his success when he was there at the beginning yeah um i would be very happy to see the back of him as an arsenal fan and so i I think that it'll be a very interesting year with a lot of teams being unknowns and arsenal being one of those teams yeah absolutely uh moving right along we are saving for chelsea Saving Chelsea for next week. Um, so that brings us to fourth place Champions League finalists, but didn't do as well in the league as they probably would have hoped, is Liverpool. Uh, they finished on 75 points with a plus 46 goal difference. So that's a very good goal difference. That beats out Tottenham and Man United, mm-hmm. um, which normally would correlate with a higher position in the table, but they only got 75 points. Um, but they have been splashing the cash a lot yeah this summer i think all that champions league money is just going right out um and the coutinho money obviously too so the big transfers have been alison the keep the brazilian keeper from roma for 65 million pounds uh navy keita from leipzig for 55 million pounds uh fabinho from monaco for 44 million pounds and shakiri from stoke for 13 million pounds yeah and Cater might actually be more because there was stipulations when they signed him that depending on how far Leipzig got in various competitions um, meant that they could spend more money so I think it actually went up to about 63 million or so for Cater wow. yeah for someone who's not a huge huge attacking ac- uh, asset no no he's more of a box-to-box type like Steven Gerrard Frank Lampard guy but without the maybe the goals that they had yeah his goal record isn't you know it's not terrible but he he got 14 and 58 over two years for Leipzig 
he is known for playing high tempo, which is well suited to their pressing game. Um, and I'm I'm guessing they see him as the replacement for Coutinho, uh, at least long term, because he's only 22. Yeah. But if I was Liverpool, I wouldn't be looking to change much. Um, I think after Coutinho left, they really kind of found their stride. They hit their stride. They found their system, and they, you know, they rode it all the way to the Champions League final. And I think they had a very good second half of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, so as much as they're spending money, I think they'd be pretty crazy to change up what they were playing at the end of the year with, you know, Firmino, Salah, Mane up front, and you know, Lightning. That that attacking three is is spectacular. Yeah, it's insane. Um, you you can't fault it. You know, anyone that doubts Salah is is just a madman. Um, and their, their entire front three. But yeah, I think they've I think they've bought quite well. Um, in that you know, even Shakiri I think is a good signing because he's got enough quality coming off the bench that it's not too much of a dip. You know, I yeah. think that's where they they kind of suffered toward the end of um last year was that the people they brought on. Um, albeit, so, you know, some were performing quite well. Um, they just didn't have enough, really. And with Oxley chamberlain looking like he's basically out for the whole of this season as well. That's right, yeah. Um, they really needed that a, a player like that. So that's quite good. Um, they obviously, they had, they bought in Van Dijk um, in January last year. That was obviously 75 million, so big old money. Um, and yeah. he kind of solidified them at the back a bit. And, you know, Alisson means it truly is over for, for Karius, who kept having every howler highlighted in, in pre-season, which doesn't help the guy. Um, um, let's see. They lost Emery Chan. Yes. Um, to Juventus. So he went to Juventus. Yeah, that's right. Who are going to win the Champions that... League this year, I'm calling it. <laughs> With Ronaldo? Actually, oh. not not a bad shout. Um, although he won three in a row, I don't know that getting him a fourth in a row would, is likely. Um, but they brought in Fabinho, who I think is a pretty much a like-for-like like replacement. Um, if anything, Fabinho is a little bit more mobile, but not radically different. And like we were saying, all the money that they spent is some of it like Allison and, and Fabinho are coming in to replace or improve in areas that they would have. But I think the other signings are probably more like squad depth and rotation options, yeah. the way Chelsea have like William and Pedro switching a lot, even yeah. though they're both good players. But I think that given how much they underperformed their goal difference last year, um, because they had the second best goal difference, and I'm just pulling up the XG totals for last season. Well, you say, you know, you said earlier about their goal difference being six better than Man United, but they scored nearly 20 goals more. You know, they, yeah. they scored 16 more goals than them uh, wow. and conceded 10 more. So, you know, and they, and they finished two two spots above. Um, but we'll get on to Man United and their bore tactics in a minute. Yeah, Man United were interesting, let's say, last year. But I would expect Liverpool to finish much higher up the table, if not fully challenging for the title, given that these players have had a little more time together. And... Just the the quality that they have and having added more depth, I think they're really good. I think they're just really good. Yeah, they're they're an exciting team to watch as well. Like you know what we were talking about uh, the other week about people picking a team to to follow. Um, if you wanted to go for a big team, I'd say like as a as a f- fresh person into the game with 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 virgin eyes, as it were, Liverpool are very easy on the eye because it's so fast paced. It's such good quality. Um, and they have the potential to either blow teams away or absolutely capitulate. And so it's so exciting. Yeah, they're really fun to watch. Um, so moving right along, up next we have Tottenham. Tottenham finished uh, in third place, 77 points, but a goal difference of 38, um, which is not particularly well. Normally, I don't think that would get you top four. It was just kind of a weird year. Yeah, they still scored more goals than Man United, though, again. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, like we talked about last week, it's not just about putting it in the back of the net. No. France France deserved the World Cup, and, and I think United deserved to be in second place. Maybe third, but, you know, debatable either way. Uh, the big signing for Tottenham... Is no one. Is no one, yes. They've signed 
absolutely no one. one. Um, I think with the new stadium coming in, they've really tightened up. Yeah, I don't know how confident I feel about that. Like, undoubtedly, Tottenham have a great squad. Um, They do. They don't have the biggest huge squad. And there there is some kind of big question marks there um, regarding both quality of players. Um, I think in, in obviously Sissoko springs to mind straight away. Um, Lamella, who's always injured, but they've, they've had so many players get really far in the world cup. Yes. That was what I was going to bring up. That's the big concern with them is that their best players all got a whole lot of minutes this summer. Kane's usually bad and sluggish in August anyway. He probably he might not even play in August mm. this coming year. Yeah. Ali also is Lorente. Is Lorente still there? Yeah, Lorente's still there. <laughs> but if you go off the expected points total, which is I'm not going to get into the math of that because it's even more complicated. But it's basically running statistical regressions on expected goals and expected goals allowed. Mm-hmm. Com- Correlating that to goal difference and blah, 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 blah. Historically, um, Liverpool last year would have had 79 points for second place. Tottenham would have had 76 points for third place. Um, so they were solidly, you know, third place wasn't like a fluke per se with them. Um, but with the issues we talked about with their star players being starting the season late, being probably very tired, like Deli Ali wasn't even 100% fit for England. Yeah, and now he's had no time off. I can't imagine him being particularly fit for Tottenham. Nope. Um, I think out of that front, like because Sun's at the Asian Games as well, and has right. this thing of national service like hanging over his head. Yep. Um. So obviously Kane for England got to the semi final. Ali England semi final. Larice France final. Uh, you've got Ericsson who got to the round of sixteen. Vertonghen to the semi final. Trippier to the semi final. Dyer to the semi final. Like, oh, I can keep going yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Like Alderweireld, Danny Rose. Um, wow, they had a lot of players get fired at the World Cup. I think um, people were throwing around the stat that Tottenham had the most team in the semifinals, I believe. Yeah, I think at, when, once you had the last four teams left, I think Tottenham was the most represented. I think it was right. nine. Which is going to just destroy their yeah. lineup. And combine that with... This is obviously internet rumors and hearsay, but I heard that Pochettino is losing a lot of the respect of the players, um, which he he is a very like abrasive personality. So that wouldn't quite surprise me. The way he people aren't reacting well to the way he froze out uh, Alderweireld mm. for no good reason at all, other than like they just didn't like each other. But that's like unprofessional when he was their best defender and he just didn't play. Yeah, and I've seen rumors of Alderweireld Alde going to um, Man United again as well. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, obviously, it's, you know, it's transfer season. The same old rumors like come up every bloody year and it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. But like that is, I think, part of what happened with Conte at Chelsea is that he'd lost the dressing room after the whole butting heads with Costa and freezing out David Luiz sort of stuff and Willian too. Um, and so I think that the the rumblings around the Tottenham locker room that players don't like the way he treated Toby Alderweireld and um, are start, starting to sort of lose respect and faith in him as a manager combined with like the just basic squad rotation, player health, energy levels issues that they're going to have because of the World Cup. I think Tottenham are going to fall down the table significantly. Do you really? This year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I don't think they're going to repeat third place. I don't think they probably will even be pushing for top four, which of course means put your money down now for them to win the title because we're always <laughs> wrong with our predictions. But yeah, you know, if I, insofar as I'm making some sort of prediction, I don't think they'll even be pushing for top four, to be honest. I think they're going to be spread too thin. They don't have a deep enough squad. They don't seem to be spending money. And they're losing a lot of their best players for significant portions of the season. Yeah, and there's still, to just pile on again, there's still the thing that potentially their stadium wouldn't be ready for the start of the season. Um, so the fixtures could change. If, if, say, for example, the stadium would be ready in like the third week or the fourth week, they could change the fixtures so that they play three away games in a row and then play their first home game at the new stadium was made. 
However, they wow. could they could play at Wembley again because the rule is once you play a home game at a stadium, that's where you have to play your home games all year round. Really? Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that rule. Yeah, so if they play if they play one game at Wembley, then they're there again all season. Yeah. Um, but it will feel a bit more like a home for them, I guess. Um, I mean, it has been a whole season, so... Yeah, they played there last year, and they, you know, the Wembley hoodoo kind of thing uh, that everyone said, but, you know, to still finish third. Yeah, that didn't turn into anything, really. I think that was a bunch of noise over nothing. Um, they still, they played well, and it, I think their record at quote-unquote home was better than on the road, so it didn't particularly seem to affect them. Um, the only thing I would say in their favor is that they don't really have any players who are going to leave for the African Cup of Nations, which is going to affect stuff this year. Uh, Serge Aurier for Ivory Coast. Yeah, but he doesn't even start. So like. No, but he's usually in rotation with Sanchez, isn't he? Quite a lot. Yeah, well, they're not, but they're not losing anyone from their first eleven, I guess. No, I that's say. true. Which, you know, that's that's something that we could we could have touched on with uh, Liverpool. Because yeah. they're going to lose. Well, Salah, if he's stopped playing for Egypt, we don't know. Um, but Sadio Mane, Naby Keita, who's coming straight in. Right. Yeah, and it's it's going to be a weird season because with the World Cup kind of having players come in late, especially from the top six, and then AFCON stealing players in the middle of the season. Um, I generally don't like the club seasons after the World Cup. In terms of the quality of play, it's not the best, but they're usually pretty crazy because stuff just happens. Mm. Um, so we'll see. But that is the one thing I would say in Tottenham's benefit is that they don't really have that many, at least in their starting 11 players, that are going to go off to the African Cup of Nations. But that said, I still think they're going to fall down the table a lot. Like, I wouldn't even be surprised if uh, they fall down beneath Arsenal. Wow. Like that. It'll be that, that would, much of an effect. That would definitely make the Arsenal fans happy. Yeah, St. Totteringham get, Bay is get rid back. of Yeah, get rid of Wenger and get St. Totteringham back. Yeah, I think they'd, if you offered them that right now, they'd take that in a heartbeat. So, moving along the table, last year's second place. This team I have a few more thoughts about. Mm. Um, actually, both of the top two. We have Man United, finished with 81 points. Goal difference of 40, so the third best goal difference but only 28 goals conceded, which is the second best behind City. Um, if you look at their expected points using expected goals, expected goals allowed, etc., etc., they actually way overperformed. Um, they should have had six, not should have is a very dangerous word. So I'll, I'll say that in the expectation statistical average, you would think that they would have had 62 points, which is. 19 less, 18 less than they yeah. actually had. And that would have been good enough for sixth place. Curiously enough, only four points above Crystal Palace in the expectation. <laughs> Which you'll be happy to hear because they, they are the seventh place team in the expected points table from last year. Palace are? Yeah. Yeah, that's because we were just so dog shit for so long. And then yeah. we were the form team for the back end of last season. Right. Well, we'll, we'll get into all that next week. Yeah, more, yeah. But Palace are good. Um, <laughs> but Man United, like I, I can that overperformance. I think I can put down to one thing exactly, and that's David de Gea. Um, yeah. Because oh yeah, hundred percent. There were mm-hmm. so many games where he was just pulling off save after save after save. I'm pretty sure it was the game against Arsenal where he made. I think he made like 15, 16 saves in that game, and some of them were incredible and point blank and reflex saves. And you're just like. This guy is adamant at dragging Man United through. He really was. He really was. And you 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 know, you always hear that like a good goalkeeper is worth ten points on the table. And I think this he had one of the best single goalkeeping seasons I've ever seen, and I think it was worth nineteen extra points in the table, like we just talked about. Yeah. Um and I'm curious to see how he does coming off of his very horrendously disappointing performance at the World Cup. He sucks. He was awful really bad yeah and so i'm curious to see how he recovers i suspect he'll probably be fine in terms of transfers they sold daily blend to ajax but that's not a big deal he didn't really play that much last year and they brought in fred what what, what team again ajax ajax Ajax. (laughs) sorry sorry going full american on you there going full deadpool villain right there 
Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, their big pickup is Fred from Shakhtar, 52 million pounds. Um, I don't know that he's going to start. Do you think he's going to be starting for them? Fred, uh, I've got to admit, I know like very little about this guy. Um, and the thing with Mourinho is they could have spent 150 million on him and I still wouldn't feel like he was going to start. Yeah. I don't know whether it's because like Carrick is now completely gone. Yeah, because Carrick retired this year. He did. So maybe at the start of the year, especially with Pogba out, um, because Mourinho in a recent interview considers Fred a more creative player than Pogba. Yep, he and, said in the press conference that he signed him for his creative vision and passing. Yeah, and he said Pogba's more of a physical player, which I, I don't really know what that means. Um, whether it means like Pogba can just run at players or whatever, who knows. That's going to be a shame as well. Like Pogba got to shine in the World Cup and now he's yeah. just going to have the fucking Mourinho shackles like well and truly on him. Yeah. Same as like Lukaku and... A few others. Yeah, you you know, talking of the World Cup, like they are gonna have a bunch of players missing early on. You got Rashford and Lukaku as their forwards. Yeah, Rashford, Lukaku, Lingard, um, Ashley Young, Phil Jones, Fellaini. Oh yeah, Fellaini. That's right. Yeah, so they're missing a bunch of guys. Wow. Uh, Martial. A lot of talk of Martial going to Chelsea. Uh, which would leave them with approximately zero striker options at the start of the season. Yeah, unless they played like Alexis Sanchez up front. Yep, he's he'll be nice and rested. Mm. Given that Chile didn't didn't do anything this summer. They no, it's the, summer it's the first time he hasn't had Copa America or or World Cup or or any anything like that. Um, yeah, I mean, a, I would expect time. him to have a beast of a season actually. Yeah, I I thought that as well for a while. I I still think it can happen, but. You know, we're we're talking about a team here that, that, like we said, you know, yeah, they finished in second, but they scored 68 goals. It's not a ton. Um, you know, if you look at it per game, per game, they were scoring like 1.79 goals per game. So still playing like fairly tight. And also the, the way they were playing as well, you know, they averaged only like 55% possession last year. Yeah, horrible. And like their attack was even worse than their goal total indicates because their expected goals total was 59 Wow. Um, and meanwhile, their expected goals allowed total was fifth, was 44. <laughs> so, like, there's there's David De Gea right there. That's David De Gea. Right? And like, that is not a good different. season. Um, and I and I think I think we're talking ourselves into them having a bad season. But the flip side of that is that they have the second most talented squad. Probably, if not the single most talented, with Sanchez, Pogba, and Lukaku in there. Mm. Um, yeah, probably. But I mean, like, and Mourinho, I don't think like, it's, you yeah. can't count out Mourinho. He he finds ways to win. Yeah, he's so, he's the ultimate pragmatist, really. Like, right. But yeah, I, I don't really think it's like talking down because I can see United finishing like second or, or third again. But it's just so uninspiring and just so like I've got nothing to get excited about. It's like it's not like the United team of before when they were amazing under Ferguson and would just dominate and and win competitions everywhere and and what have you. It's now like okay, like look, I'm second in the league. Yeah, they'll concede 28 goals, but ultimately, like, what did they get last season? They're not not very far. Right. Um, we did have a question actually about this. Funnily enough, from um, our good friend Dave Matteo. Um, shout out, Dave. Shout out to Dave. Ooh. Yeah. Um, he said, um, how long until Mourinho starts his collapse at Man United? Now, for those that don't know, Mourinho is very famous for kind of having like a like a second season syndrome. Um, third season, third season. Third season syndrome, sorry. Second season is when he wins everything, usually, which he didn't win anything last year. But I think no. last year was the first time Mourinho didn't win the league in his second season at a club. Like he's always won the league. And a couple of times he won the Champions League as well. Yeah, which he did with who did he do with Real Chelsea twice, with Real Porto, and Inter, and Inter. Yeah, his his track record is amazing. But what do you think? I think that it could be this year because he does tend to have about a two year lifespan for before he completely alienates and 
destroys all relationships with the club and with the players. Yeah, well, he's been doing that for most of the last year anyway, slagging off, right. like openly slagging off so many players. Like, right, you right, know, right, Luke right. Shaw, for fuck's sake. Like poor the, Luke Shaw. Poor Luke Shaw. Like, that kid just gets fucking bullied. Um, and then he, he comes out and slags off other players as well. You know, he doesn't really talk up about Pogba and kind of talks him down. Marshall is now, like, basically asking to leave, um, apparently. And so, yeah, it could be this year. Oh, that could be fun, actually. Although, all that being said, I think that he is going to have a lot to prove this year. I think he hates that Pep Guardiola is now, like, officially considered the best manager in the world. <laughs> um, with no really argument for anyone else at this point. Nope. And um, he's going to hate that he didn't win anything in the second season. He's going to hate how far behind Man City they were, because Man City last year was... I think pretty much inarguably the greatest Premier League team of all time, just in terms of the number of records that they broke. They broke 100 points, the goal scored, the wins in a row, all that stuff. So, like, he's going to come in with quite the point to prove. Yeah, I don't know. It could be this year, but it could also be, like, an all-time Mourinho year where he just goes fucking crazy. And I think he also gets overly a reputation for parking the bus. I think... If you look at his teams, after January, they very much shift their focus towards defending whatever lead they've built and being genuinely being a very defensive team looking to contain other teams from doing what they normally do. But I think if you look at the first half of his leagues, like he has had some very exciting, very attacking teams. He just kind of puts the brakes, pumps the brakes in January, but... These guys, if they get off to a good start, could go flying with the players that they have. Yeah, but they did They did last year, didn't they? They opened with, like, what, two or three 4-0 wins in a row? Yeah. yeah and then, yeah, and then all of a sudden it was just like, right, put the brakes on. This is ridiculous. Like, we need, we need to stop. This can't be our expectation. We can't let people think this is how we're going to go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so do you think they make top four or no? Make top four? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think they will. I don't think, you know, as as much as I have problems with Mourinho, I don't think he can capitulate that much. Although, having said that, there was that year at Chelsea where, yep. uh, you know, after after however many games, I think Chelsea were, like, looking at relegation. Yeah, they were in 18th at one point that season. Uh, and he, he got fired in, like, November. Yeah. Oh, no, I remember that season because Chelsea were in 18th and Palace were in 4th. Um, <laughs> at that time and then we were about fifth at Christmas and then that's when Pardew went on that ridiculous losing run yeah oh that was terrible where we where we didn't get a point for like 14 games yeah something, so, like something that. that was the same time that Leicester went on their amazing end of season saving run I think yes. that was the same year yes yeah. it was yeah I if I'm betting on United I think they're definitely going to finish top four and it's kind of a coin flip, but my gut kind of says that they will be better than they were last year. Because last year they did not deserve second place. And I think this year they will be going into the last few weeks of the season, let's say game week 35, still contending for the title. Do you think so? Do you think that the style of play will change? Yes, because of what Sanchez offers that is much better than anything they had last season before January and he'll have had more time and he'll be well rested. I think he's going to be the key for them. And I also think that this summer highlighted what Lukaku and Pogba can both do. Um, And so I think they'll come in very confident. And even if he tries to like play them in a system, I just think that at a a certain point, their natural talent will just shine through. Um, And so I, I would think they're going to have a good year, not a bad year. Well, if there's one man who can stamp out confidence and self-belief, it's Jose Mourinho. <laughs> yeah, I miss him. <laughs> Honestly, I'd take him back at Chelsea. I would, in a heartbeat. But I know everyone else hates him, and that's probably fair. So <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, and then that would bring us to Man City. A hundred points. First time that's ever happened. A hundred points. Hundred table points is so fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I know, right? A goal difference of seventy nine, which that goal difference 
is better than anyone else's goals scored except for Liverpool. <laughs> Shit, I just noticed that, yeah. Holy and fuck. 106 goals scored, which is the most ever. 103 goals scored was the previous record with Chelsea. Um, they, I, I was so fucking mad last year at this Man City team because Chelsea, until last season, had the record for most days spent in first place, most wins in a row, most home points, best goal difference, most goals scored, least goals conceded, most table points. Like, at some point or another, in the time since I've been a fan, Chelsea had set all of those records. <laughs> but City broke all of those records, except for least goals conceded. And they did it all in the same season. So, like, they were undoubtedly, last season, the greatest team to ever play in the Premier League. I don't think that's even a hot take. No, it's not really, is it? <laughs> They're just absurdly good. You couldn't really push more enough plaudits on them. Yeah, fuck them. I, I fucking hate... Pep Guardiola too, like, ugh, it makes me so mad. Yeah. Um. So the big question is, do they can they do that again? Can they possibly come even close to being that good again? Because I don't, I don't think they can. No, like, like it's unreasonable to expect any team, even that team, to hit those highs again. Mm. I think they just happen to like perfectly catch a run of results, but their expected points was still ninety one. So that's gonna win you the league. 90% of seasons. Yeah. Right? Um, and, you know, nothing really has changed. They brought in Riyad Mahrez, but he's just depth. He's just another option. Yeah, no, what a, what a great depth player. I know. It's amazing. It's fucking ridiculous. Like, I'm honestly jealous. I wish that Chelsea spent the money that they have the way City do because Chelsea have that money. They're just sitting on it because they're trying to save up for a new stadium. And I don't know... There's, like, not much to say about this Manchester City team just because they were so good last season and, like, not much has changed, really. They don't... Like, they have a bunch of guys that were late in the World Cup, right? Mm -hmm. But they have the most depth of any team in the league. And so, like, yes, Kyle Walker will be out. Uh, John Stones will be out. Sterling will be out. De Bruyne will be out. Company company although he doesn't he's not necessarily a guaranteed starter no not necessarily but like they can still run out a starting lineup of let's say Mares, Sane, David Silva, uh Gundogan, Gundogan, I don't even Gundogan, I never know I how to pronounce his name. Uh Bernardo Silva is still an option. Aguero and Jesus aren't going to be that tired. Jesus maybe because he made the quarters. Mendy oh no was no Mendy wasn't playing for France because he was hurt, right? But now he's. Well, no, here. but he's he's already he's been on like the American tour and stuff. Yeah, he's on preseason. Yeah, so they have Mendy there. Like they have, they're gonna be fine. Like, yeah. their backup eleven is good enough to win the league, probably. Yeah, or at least or yeah, at least take compete. them pretty far. Yeah. So Mares for the kind of Champions League buy, and they're they're gonna want that so much. Like the owners have wanted that for for so long now. And fired managers for not getting it, right. um, even even title winning managers. So I still, just because of how City are, I still worry that if, you know, if they didn't win the league and or the Champions League this year, that Pep would be gone come next season. Really? Yeah, because that's that's just how mental these people think now. Yeah, I mean, I, who was it? Our good friend Raphael was saying that Chelsea are crazy for firing Conte. And, like, I didn't actually argue with him about this, but in my head I was like, nah. Like, yes, teams fire their managers too quickly, probably. But at the same time, like, they needed to fire Conte. I don't, for a second, like, disagree with that. Because he had lost the locker room. And, like, when you are a club of the caliber that Man City are, Man United are, Chelsea are, should be... Or aim to be, yeah. You little things like that, like I even Zidane with Real Madrid. Like, yes, they won three Champions Leagues in a row, and that's an amazing accomplishment, and should not in any way be belittled. But they were not good in the league, and they want to be good in the league. Like, I I understand that at least as you know, Raf Raf is a Southampton fan, you're a Palace fan, so like it's a completely different mindset. And to me, like, those things 
are admittedly batshit insane that that's the world that we live in. But like within the context of, yes, that is the world that we live in. It, then it makes sense that that is a, an issue. Like there's, there's a reason that all the big clubs do that. It's not just city or Chelsea or, you know, Arsenal were the only big quote unquote club that had that much loyalty to their manager and look where it got them. Right. Like, yeah, you have to be that way. I would, I think that you make a really good point, which is that City are going to aggressively pursue the Champions League. And maybe that'll distract them in the league. Maybe it'll distract them enough that other teams will compete with them. Um, but they're still the best team in England. I don't think anyone can disagree with that. They have enough, enough depth that they can compete on two or three fronts without really seeing much of a drop-off in quality. And I yeah. think the end of the season, they'll be right there at the top if, or, you know, going into the last couple of weeks of the season with a decent shout to win it. Um, you know, anything can happen. Leicester won the fucking league, right? Like anything is possible, as Kevin Garnett would say. But, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're the best team. So, like, they're probably the favorites to win it. Um, yeah. They, you know, I don't think, like, even saying that, I don't think it's that ridiculous to think that they could come very close to doing the same thing again this year yeah um, you really think so because they're they're just so dominant like the way they play it's it's incredibly exciting as well um just to watch just the skill they have everywhere and with bringing in Mares, uh that gives a bit of an extra option you know because i mean yaya Torre, god bless him is is now gone the birthday boy he's been released um, so, you know, look at the difference there. Like, oh, get excited because Yaya Toure is coming on or get excited because Riyad Mahrez is coming on or because Riyad Mahrez is playing, David Silva's coming on or Leroy Sané is coming on or, you know, right. it, they have such, such strength. Um, and, and they're the team that, you know, like exactly like you said at the beginning, even though they've got tons of people that, that had like quite deep runs in the World Cup, they they I don't fear for them in any way, shape, or form. No. Especially, you know, even... Although I think their first game of the season is against Arsenal, which I think is quite interesting. But then get this for, for a fucking run when you've got half a team. So you've got Arsenal, then you've got Huddersfield, Wolves, Newcastle, Fulham, Cardiff, Brighton. That's amazing. I, who who did they have to pay for that? Like yeah, I know, right? Um, then after the that, they've got Liverpool, who, you know, City lost two games in the league last year and both were to Liverpool. So they're very much their bogey team. But yeah, like they could get off to an absolute flyer, you know, but by the time they play Liverpool, they could be on 21 points again after seven games. To what extent, though, do you think that they suffer from defending champion syndrome? By which I mean, other teams will have circled them on the calendar saying this is the week that we shock the world by beating City. But, 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 but teams have not have had that last year. With all of the records they were smashing and the way they were playing, like every team would have been thinking that for City. I mean, like Palace came really, really close. Like we were the first ones to end their goal scoring record and their run. Um, I'm pretty sure in the league. And that was a nil-nil. And fuck if Milivojevic had scored that penalty right at the end. That mm. would have been amazing. But every every team would have had that 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 year, and I think all the managers were addressing that, and they know. And the thing is, like you can you can set up and try and beat City, but I think only Liverpool Klopp played it perfectly. He knew exactly how to beat them, but he has the weapons to do that. He has an incredibly fast, incredibly fluid team, and so that when he was playing that really really high fast press, he had the quality enough all around the pitch to just choke City out of the game. No other team can really do that. Arsenal might with their new manager and their players. Yeah, I mean, I'd still fear for Arsenal to go toe-to-toe with them. I never, ever would doubt Mourinho to figure out the right game plan to beat a team. Like, I think he could easily... They could easily take uh, City down. In fact, didn't they beat City as, like, their one good thing in the second half of the season? Three to two. Yeah, they won it on Saturday, April 7th, and the final score was 3-2, to two, with City was up 2-0 at halftime. Oh, shit, yeah, I remember that game. Yeah, so 
Pogba had two goals, and then Smalling had one in the second half. So, so the case in point right there. I think, like, I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to exactly explain what I mean by this, but there is this certain thing that happens, and I've seen it with Chelsea several times, where the season after you win the title, every single fucking team seems to, like, step their game up against you and be kicking you that much harder, be running that much 50% more, like, to minute zero to minute 90. Like, even when you have a lead, they don't give up. Whereas when you're on the way to winning a title, there's a certain, like, hoodoo that happens where teams are like, well, fuck. All right, 70 minutes, we're down by two. They're going to win. They're winning the title this year anyway, so we're just going to be another loss. So I don't know. I don't know that they necessarily will. I also think that, like you just said, Liverpool figured out what to do. Um, and I think that other teams are are not going to be to the same talent level of Liverpool, obviously, but will sort of try to use that as a template. And I think maybe the league will have figured out this Pep Guardiola team a little bit more. They were very tactically complex last year. Like, they're pressing system and their rotational system the way they played with the fullbacks where they would weirdly invert and become like central midfielders yeah in certain uh scenarios like it was it was an incredibly complex system but now everyone's had a whole summer every manager's had a whole summer to watch those minutes analyze it figure out how to sort of counteract it and so i think it's just it's just inherently much much harder to defend a title than it is to win one um, you know, in every sport, you hear that from basketball coaches, you hear that from baseball players, like whatever sport you're in, defending a title is much harder than winning one. And so even though they were the best team ever, there's going to be a natural sort of drop off for them that I, I would be 0.25% concerned if I was a city fan. Like, yes, they're still the <laughs> best team in England, right? But like, there would be that nagging doubt. I I'd still I still put them down as winning the league. Yeah, that's probably fair. No doubt. <laughs> yeah. All right. So yeah, I mean that about wraps it up for the the top six or five of the top six, I should say, um, for our preview this week. Uh, next week we will be back with Chelsea in depth, Palace in depth, and a couple of prediction competition games between the three of us, uh, and we will be doing. A lot more listener questions next week, so please do send those in on the Facebook, on the Twitter, and all the things. Um, Chuck, any last words? No, just that, yeah, exactly what Oscar said. We're going to have plenty of questions, so get in touch on our Facebook page, um, on Twitter, at MilesOffsidePod, um, to our emails. I don't think we've had an email question yet, so that would be quite nice. Um, MilesOffsidePod at gmail.com. You can follow us um individually myself at chuck underscore bailey underscore i am at footy from afar footy with a ie not a y um and you can follow the absent super producer ian stimson on twitter at ian stimson as well yeah thank you for listening tell a friend if you're american leave us a review on itunes if you're not Um, american leave us a review on itunes Uh, yes everyone (laughs) leave us a review on itunes and Yeah, that's it. That's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me as well. Bye. See ya.